Sons Unleashed. Hey, my name's Robbie. I'm being joined by Dan and Tamara. Welcome to the episode three of Axons Unleashed. Morning, Dan. Tamara, how you doing? Woo! Good morning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Here we are again. What a wonderful, uh, wonderful morning down here on the Gold Coast. It's bright and sunny outside. And I don't know, did you get to see the water this morning, mate? Uh, yes, Tamara and I have now successfully moved into our new apartment there at the Q1. So uh, certainly living uh, 66 levels above the ants on the ground, which is the humans walking around, is an unusual feeling so far. I've been giving Dane, our uh, resident surfer, our um, a surf report each morning. So oh, the, ad- <laughs> the, the daily surf report. That's right. Tammy's surf report coming your way. Uh, <laughs> hey, don't, don't give RT any more ideas because that might be like the next little branch that he launches down and goes, we no. can create a surf channel. Unlikely. <laughs> and water sports are not really his thing. That's right. <laughs> as, as, as we sort of spoke about on the previous episode, that we try to keep Robbie away from the water these days. So Yeah, so let's just give everyone a quick little update. So episode one was all about uh, how Axon, the business started, why we started this podcast, mm-hmm. and just a little intro into sort of uh, who we are and you know how we sort of help people create wealth in their lives using property then, of course, season or episode two was all about Dan starting to join the business. And uh, you got that fateful phone call from Tamara about, hey, Robbie smashed his leg. He's jumped off the back of the boat up in North Queensland fishing. And I was then basically in and out of hospital for the next six months. In and a Axon, wheelchair. And Axon pretty much come to the to come to a, a grinding halt. So uh, that's where we finished up the last couple of episodes. Yeah. And I tell you what, if you haven't if you haven't listened to those episodes or watched it on YouTube, ladies and gents, go back and do it now because it'll give you a fantastic start point. And there were like lots and lots of little gems. Some of them not very comfortable to speak about. <laughs> and we're going to cover some more off of that today as well about uh, how we got to this sort of point. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, I've really been looking forward to this episode because I didn't even know the true background to exactly what it was. I just saw a sort of a title on the page mm-hmm. and then I'm like, what actually happened, guys? Can you tell me before <laughs> we actually go and do a podcast about this? So we obviously had to go back and explore this in the lead up. But I mean, one of the reasons why it's probably a lesser known story is because these days one of the big successes that you see from Axon is like, we're out there everywhere from a social media presence perspective and we often get told, Tammy, like, someone is chasing me around the internet. I can't get away <laughs> from Axon. I've been trapped by the algorithm, right? I love a good retargeting strategy. That's it. And, <laughs> and I mean, Tammy, you as the sort of the marketing director amongst one of many, many hats you actually wear within the business, like, that's pretty much been led by you from, mm-hmm. from the recent times. but. Mm-hmm. If we take a walk down memory lane from that perspective, Uh-oh. it wasn't it, it wasn't always this way, right? It, it hasn't always been as probably most people have seen over the last 18 months, two years. So back in the old days when the business was just getting started from the media room downstairs, mm-hmm. you were in charge of marketing, right? Yeah, so setting everything up and I, I had had a fair bit of marketing experience but I'd also mainly been a real student of marketing. Like I'd just involved myself in as much education in that side of things as I could. Uh, so very much self-taught. Um, but yeah, I was able to sort of get my hands on things and, and make my way around things and get us set up and started and yeah. Yeah. And what about you, Arte? How did you enjoy watching Tammy sort of fulfil that role in the very early days of the business? Yeah, it was really, uh, really great because she um, left a really successful career as a flight attendant for Qantas. 
to come up to Brisbane and then you know sort of come and join our life. We try to you try to get a transfer up there, but mm. uh, Mr. Joyce, if you're listening, you weren't doing any uh, transfers up to Brisbane at that time. So she's like, right, jam it, Qantas. Uh, I'm going to come <laughs> up to Brizzy and, and basically start our life up there. So look, probably by her own admission. Um, Tam was a bit lost and she didn't really have a new direction and a new passion. So you like jumped, he- you know, headfirst into learning he- all about Facebook ads and Instagram stories. Yeah. And like this is back in, back in 2000. 2015, 2016. Yeah. So, you know, Instagram had only been around for a very, very short period of that time. And yeah, she dived right into it. Yeah, absolutely. You started to hit your straps then. Um, so from there, this is where basically where the story starts off, right? Mm-hmm. Tammy's been relatively successful, been self-taught. She's moved from the other side of the country up here to be able to support you and we've got this new business endeavour that she's neck deep in. <laughs> what happened next? And, I mean, the title of this is going to be talking about how you effectively sacked your wife from your business that you are co-founders of. But how did that actually come to be? And, I mean, I'll throw to you, Tam, I suppose, to take us through the beginning of that story. Sure. Mm. So we went to a... Um, a business conference in the Gold Coast and there was a, a marketing guy that there was a couple of really key speakers up there but um, one of them was a marketing and branding specialist and uh, we, we listened to his little spiel and afterwards Robbie said to me I just think we need to to stop playing small and we need to get someone who's a professional at this and essentially when storming up there and grabbed his business card and said, mate, we need to book an appointment. Uh, I was excited, you know what I mean? Because they had like a copywriter, they had a graphic artist, they had someone who could do our Facebook ads. It was, you know, seemed to have years and years of experience working in the industry. So I was like, you know what, if we do have visionaries of taking this business to the next level, then let's see what a proper uh, professional marketing firm might be able to do for us. Yeah, so I guess I was a little bit... um, I don't know, I, I lost a bit of confidence at the time because I kind of felt like, well, if Robbie doesn't believe in what I'm doing, then maybe I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I'm not good enough for this. Um, so that was a bit of a, a, a blow, I guess. And so I kind of just took a back seat in the business and I was doing, you know, the admin, the accounts, the um, small amount of HR that we have compared to what we have now. Uh, and just yeah, taking a real back seat in the in the overall business. And as you as you would appreciate, Dan, I was completely oblivious to this. I didn't know that. Basically, saying, "All right, honey, you're sacked from the marketing department. We're going to get this other firm to come in there and take over it all." Uh, I just thought I was doing the right thing by the business by you know throwing some money at a problem and getting professionals in there that could do it all. Because um, you know we're very well aware that. Just because you know how to write an Instagram ad doesn't need you know how to write a headline or copy or the little summary of what the you know particular spiel is, or doesn't necessarily mean you're a graphic design artist. So having uh, all of those traits in one person is very rare to find. So I guess I was just attracted to the opportunity of working with a business that was going to provide that to us. Again, completely oblivious to my wife as the co-founder that what I was actually doing was sacking her from the business. Well, and, it was uh, a real passion of mine at the time. Like I was really enthused by marketing and I loved it and I was, you know, watching everything I could, going through so many webinars and trainings and getting stuck into the Facebook ad side of things, which actually changes all the bloody time. Um, so, yeah, just like it was... A pretty big shock, but um, yeah, I kind of just 
okay, it is what it is. So, yeah, just started being in the background and trying to work out what, what things I was kind of going to start doing. Um, but then it wasn't too long before we realised that they weren't really getting results for us. Um, That's a really nice way of putting it. <laughs> well, we didn't give the disclaimer that this is an MA15 plus uh, oh, podcast. I have No, you have been going for four or, four or five minutes, well, ladies and gents. Oh you probably God. got your, your teenage daughters watching, listening to this. Well, it's a bit, a bit, bit deeper than normal. Like normally <laughs> we're jovial and upbeat, but we're obviously talking about a relatively sensitive topic where yeah. you've turned around and sacked your wife from the business that you started like three months earlier, which, you know... Arguably, it's going to touch some raw nerves from mm. that perspective. So mm. there's some sensitivities about it. But, I mean, Tammy, how did you feel then? Because, as you just alluded to then, a few months down the track, sort of we're progressing forward. And if I remember this correctly, it was almost like all hands went off. It was like these guys are the expert. They've mm -hmm. got their copywriter. They've got every single person that we need in the team they should now be driving this forward from both a strategy and an execution perspective. Absolutely. And I think that was something, looking back now, that's a huge lesson for us. Like, we would never let someone take over the strategy fully um, of our business. Like, we will definitely have our finger on the pulse um, and give our own direction because we know our clients better than they do. We do. And at the end of the day, they had they had a great... Uh, long-term strategy so they were really focusing on blogs on seo on um that search engine optimization for yeah. everybody that out there is, lead, lead magnet to get an email address you can send a follow-up email and nurture them along the sequence i'm like Fuck yeah i'm like you know just we spoke about time we need results now dude we don't want to talk to people now we don't we don't yeah. I haven't got 12 months up my sleeve for someone to see the 50th email they've read and go oh fuck there you go. Fuck, let's now contact these yeah. guys. So so I suppose from that perspective, what you're talking about, RT, is that because you'd started the business, let's call it on a on a shoestring ba budget, like mm -hmm. you do, you got moved along relatively quickly, follow that in episode one. Mm. Um, but then a few months later, they're like, let's implement a strategy that's going to take like 12 months or two years until you actually start seeing results. Yeah. yeah. Like we were yeah. getting, I think, six or seven people onto one of their webinars that they were doing. And we were spending quite a bit of money that we didn't really have um, at that time just to, yeah, to get no results. And so I, I kind of, Robbie said to me, can you just have a look at what's going on? Uh, and I ended up. I ended up jumping into the back end of our Facebook and I realised that they had been setting up all of our accounts and ads and collateral, our images, everything in their own account. And that means we didn't own anything that we had just been paying for, for months. So it's effectively the same as like them owning all of your intellectual property. Mm -hmm. From a marketing sense, yeah. Yeah. So, mm. how did that make you feel oh, when you found that out? Oh my god! It was a I, bit of a red flag straight away, wasn't straight it? Straight away, and I said to them, "We need all this transferred. We need this back. We, this needs to be in our account." And they said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do that." And the more I looked into it, the more I realized you can't do that. You can't. Once it's in their account, you can share it, but you don't own it. Um, so, to me, 
that was a huge red flag. Um, or if we were going to um, switch it across effectively, Facebook takes it all the way back to the start. So any likes and any engagement, any sort of collateral or brand equity that you build in some of the messaging that you pay money for mm-hmm. just gets wiped all the way back to zero and we're like literally back to square one. So, so we'll yeah, anyone anyone with their own business and, and getting outside help, then I would definitely recommend that they use your own account, that you know all your ads, everything, or the audiences that they're creating – um, that retargeting, it's all in your own account. So that was a huge lesson as well um, that, yeah, you own all of, all of your own stuff that you're paying for. A point to note just here as well is that we very, very different to what we're doing now. We, were, we had two segments of the market we were talking to. We were talking to mum and dad investors or non-defence members and, of course, we were talking to sort of defence members as well, talking about your idea of housing entitlements. So it wasn't clear-cut. There was a uh, there was a very multifaceted approach. I used to call it the whole grab a whole lot of mud, throw it at the wall and hope some of it sticks, which is a very, very poor marketing methodology to undertake, but that's effectively what they, what they were doing, doing for us. Yeah. So, yeah. So was it about then you asked me to come back? Well, I think yeah. when, when we got to the point where we like got six or seven people like um, you know attending one of our, one of our webinars, um, one of the things we also realised is that understandably, and look, I spent eleven years as a SOCOM officer with no with protected identity status, with no social media accounts. I always had a dummy email, you know, one two three four at hotmail dot com. My phone number was fucking triple zero triple nine, whatever it was. So you never actually leave your details, and understandably, a lot of defence members are like that. Yeah, so when they were filling in their details for our webinar, then we'd get all of that. We'd yeah, get we'd the fake emails. We're like, like, oh, okay, so we've had like 20 people register, but then there's three people online, but we can't even send an email with a new link for the people because it's all like a fake account. And, of course, I sort of jacked up a little bit. And I'm like, why? Well, I don't care about getting people's emails. And I remember having a bit of a bit of a stand-up you know, tiff with, um, with yourself, Tamara, and also the other marketing guy at the other firm. They're like, no, but it goes, you know, marketing's all about getting their email address and we must focus on the email address. I'm like, I don't give a fuck about the email address. I want eyeballs on the screen. And I think, um, and you'd certainly joined us by this time, yeah, Dan. You were, you were watching Mate, all this go uh, by. I, I regularly remember the four people attending the, uh, the webinars as we were using them and then sort of hiding behind that barrier where we really controlled the environment. Mm. Um and yeah, it was like you'd sit there for hours in the preparation for this, creating all of the content that you know you need to pass on to people. And I mean, anyone who's watched our Facebook Live in the last two years, mm. there wasn't a drastic amount of different information in the webinar versus the Facebook Live. And mm. so you all know exactly how valuable that information is, right? Mm. So it was, it was a little bit disheartening with the amount of work that went into the preparation and delivery of that to know that it wasn't being received by anyone. And... From a business standpoint, you guys would appreciate more than most that if you don't have any clients coming in the door, you don't have an income. And if you don't have an income, there's no business. Well, as I say, yeah, the world can only run on love and pixie dust so much and cash is an ultimately the oxygen for any business. Yeah, so cash yeah, doesn't need to right. be your driving force, but it actually, it, that's what makes the wheels spin. That's what makes the wheels you know, turn yeah. and and you get some momentum. You need that cash to fund your marketing, to fund your staff, to fund the business. So, so I think it was a sort of uh, maybe late 2017-ish 
is when that sort of data breach with Facebook and Cambridge Analytica came along. Mm. And that's like a bit of a red flag moment for me. I'm like, all right, now this has just made the problem even worse. Yeah, no I'd one's going to give their email up. I'd actually been saying to the boys to d- start doing Facebook Lives oh, yeah, let, when, you're, when you're out on the road. Let's so talk you'd about be that quickly. We'll come back to that data breach in a minute. Not, <laughs> not well, our data breach. Well, it was way. like, this was almost like a perfect storm that this all happened sort of concurrently within a couple of weeks of each other. So it's very relevant. Let's, let's cover off, Tam, where we're talking about the whole idea of the Facebook Live because... Yes, yeah, so Facebook Live had just come out and I was seeing my own results with that and just, yeah, I knew we had to be on it. We had to be on it. That's where the algorithm was pushing all the, all the viewers. So I said, right, jump on when you, you're out at site, jump on a Facebook Live. And I'd be sitting at home on the Facebook waiting for them to go live. I'm like messaging when are you going live when are you going live i want to be on and see it you got you guys can't see the video right now but dan and i are wincing in the background going oh we were so scared we were oh, shitting like, ourselves. oh i'm not yeah. ready oh the lighting wasn't that great oh, oh we didn't we weren't prepared it was oh, too windy oh, excuse 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 it was I a hadn't done my hair. in the background who oh that wasn't me by the way there's um <laughs> My individual hair that I have left uh, <laughs> was not me being too worried L- about that. A little bit like we, d- we discussed on episode one where I was so shit in front of camera and I was like literally reading off a bloody teleprompter compared to now where we just poke a camera yeah. in our face. Like well, we I need. kind of did poke a camera in your face that first time. Yeah. So we were on the on the way home from a lunch with one of our builders and we'd had a couple of beverages. A couple of beverages. I think there was a maxi taxi involved. It in was. This. Yes. So we were in the back with Simo. And we, I said, right, we go. I'm going to show you how this live works. I'm going to show you what a Facebook live is. And I jumped on my own page, my own um, profile, and did it went live. And we just absolutely flapped off for about five minutes. But I was just amazed that everyone was on there going, hey, guys, like people were commenting. We were then interacting with people literally live. Mm-hmm. That's why it's called a live. Um, but like like on the spot, I'm like, this is actually fucking really cool. And yeah. then I swore for the first time, like, whoops, are you allowed to swear on a Facebook live? We only <laughs> recently watched it back again. It was quite funny. But um, yeah, you, you were like, oh, my God. And then within half an hour, we had about 300 views or something. And I said, there you go, like, have a look at that. That was just us talking about absolutely nothing to my own, like, friends. And then all of a sudden we've got, like, ten times the amount of people that have ever even even seen some of the stuff that we paid a lot of money for sort mm-hmm. of people to get there. So that was a bit of a penny drop moment for us. We're like, all right, we should give this a go. You should listen to your wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So once, that, once in a while, you should listen. To this <laughs> so it was sort of the thing, and that, that's why this episode is called. I, I sacked my wife from the business, but then begged her back. So it was just like a bit of a, as you said before, Dan, a bit of a perfect storm about this happened, and then the data breach through Facebook happened. I'm like, right, fuck it. I don't care about the blogs. I don't care about the lead magnet. I don't care about the email address. Let's fucking get rid of this other crew, honey. Can you please, 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 please come back to the business and run all of our marketing for us? I'm sorry, I didn't realise that I sacked you from the business. I'm now sort of giving you a proper apology in this front is, of the whole is, world. Ladies this and gents. This is probably more of an apology now than what I ever got. I was, I was about to say, <laughs> I think this is the first time he actually apologised for this. Yeah, the S word is not my strongest uh, suit. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a it was a 
terrible thing, and I, I sort of promised everyone at the end of episode two, I'm like, make sure you listen to this one because I stuffed it up again and well, nearly made it all time, sort of fall on its face. When you did ask me that, my confidence was still that low that I was like, I don't even know if I can do this anymore. I haven't really had my finger on the pulse for the last few months. Um, you know, things change they in do. marketing so fast. So I was just so worried that I would for- I'd forgotten everything and... So I said, all right, I'll come back just for three months and, yeah, yeah get it yeah. back on track. So then we did our first Facebook Live and I guess I remember, Dan, that because we didn't have a full studio set up, we bought like our own set of lights. Um, is, that, is that the same time? Like, let's get a big TV screen, let's put a PowerPoint presentation up there, let's stand in front of the... T- um, so I saw someone else on, I think it was on a... might have been on a webinar jam how-to video. And I'm like, fuck, I can see some American guy bloody standing in front of a big screen. Why don't we do that? So let's literally... I think the what? iPhone was held up on a stack of boxes. Yeah, it was. Too. I was just about to say. And then Dan, <laughs> Dan as, an, as, a, as, a, uh, as a mechanical engineer, went, right, how can we now configure it somewhere where we can get this going? But we needed the slides behind us because we still weren't super smart about it. But then. we also wanted the slides in front of us. So what we ended up having was the dining room table mm-hmm. and we had a coffee machine, the old coffee machine at that office. The box the was still in the house. Yeah. yeah. So we put... The box on top of the table and then on top of that I had... It was a foam, um, uh, like HelloFresh or one of those... Yeah, another box on top of it. And then I mounted my Thunderbolt monitor. So, like, these monitors cost, like, $800 or $1,000 a hit on top of these two unstable boxes (laughs) so we could get the right angle of the camera and also be able to read the slides in front of us as well as having them behind us. So that really could have gone... uh, downhill really really fast but fortunately no one wobbled the table in exactly the wrong way at that point in time it was such a little backyard operation set up now like compared to the proper full-on studio setup that we have even the one we're sitting in here now coming to you live and uninterrupted from Whitehorse Studios here on the Gold Coast run by a Navy veteran as well which is bloody mm. awesome um, yeah so we've really really come a long way but it is good to reflect and you know for, for, for those that have only been following us for a little while we're like wow look at the proper setup and studio and everything they've got this is a bloody really professional organisation damn straight it is but it didn't start like that no. So we started doing Facebook Lives and we're like, right, that's it. We're not doing webinars anymore. Let's not collect anyone's bloody um, email address because no one's going to give it to us anyway. Mm-hmm. And let's now start doing Facebook Lives. And it, you yeah. know, that was one of the things that really, really started to um, solidify our place in the market because not no one else from a well, – not no one that you and I knew, Dan, was doing Facebook Lives in the property space. Sure as shit, no one in the defence property space was doing Facebook Lives no. either. Well, the defence force was terrified of Facebook. Mm. Yes, true. To, to a degree, there's yeah. still – like there's some, some pretty significant social media policies out there for the defence force as well, which is currently in the media, yes, which is lots of fun. But, um, I mean, at the end of the day, when you – take that it's another leap of faith almost that you're yeah. like let's just have a crack at this and see what happens yeah but, but we're um, still talking to mum and dad investors or, or non-defense clients and then we're you know obviously doing our defense stuff so yeah. in the meantime um or have you got it on the little no, thing what's no, the next no. part of it yeah, yeah so we we're still talking to both audiences but i think mm. what we decided is to like what we're going to do is by the end of this year, we're just going to have a real red hot crack at this. Mm. And we brought Tamas back in, and Tammy sort of said, "We're going to we're going to do this, and we're going to see see what the results all sort of end up being from that perspective." But how were you feeling in the lead up to doing that first Facebook Live, Tammy? Because you've gone from being being in control to mm-hmm. having to take your hands completely off the reins to being begged back, mm-hmm. and now kind of having the weight of the world lumped onto you to be like. Here's this thing that you've been like, 
this is the horse that you've been backing for like months. Don't talk about backing horses. (laughs) (laughs) She's bloody good at it. Um, yeah, basically, I it, it was a lot of pressure because I'd been pushing this Facebook Live thing for a while um, and just, yeah, I wanted it to work. I had to make it work. Um, but, yeah, the confidence was kind of at an all-time low. So it just took – it actually took probably about six weeks in. I looked at all the data, and I'm very data-driven, very analytics-driven anyway, so – it got to the point where I looked at the data and I was like, I've just performed better than this previous company has in six months. The six months that they were with us, six weeks, I've managed to turn it all around, including how many page views, likes, um, just a full range of stuff Shares, that we were working on. engagements, interactions. Engagements, yeah. um, just speaking to a better, we were converting better, we were talking to the better, like, more of our proper audience and the people that connect with us. Um, and so, yeah, I guess, what what do we say? Yeah, competence equals confidence. Mm, yes. So, so you, got, you got, obviously you knew what you were doing, but then you saw the actual mm, results, which probably returned your confidence to you there as It well. did, it did. So, um, yeah, that was that was a good moment for me at the time because I was like, okay, I've got this. I'm I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to save the business. <laughs> how, how are you feeling, RT? Because, like, that's got to be, like, a proud husband moment where you, like, you ate a little bit of humble pie and we saw that a second ago. But, um, like, how were you actually feeling on the inside when you saw Tammy starting to deliver these awesome results? Well, it was a bit bittersweet, to be fair, because now she was back in the business. We were back into living together working together, sleeping together, eating together, going out together, like it was like everything was basically part of our, our life there. So, um, you know, that had its own challenges from that perspective. But, yeah, immensely proud. Yeah, of course, it was, it's fantastic. I couldn't imagine doing it any other way now. Mm. Even though 99.9% of people I speak to, I'm like, how would it make you feel if you had to, like, do all that stuff with your husband or wife? They're like, no fucking way, in, even in a proper lo- loving relationship. So, you know, it, it has its challenges, but it's bloody satisfying yeah. as well. But I was just about to go into the next thing. What One thing that she was pushing <coughs> you and I to both do, Dan, was like content, 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 more videos, mm. more videos, more videos. Now, as you guys discovered during episode two, I'd already smashed my leg by this stage and I was in a wheelchair and a moon boot. And I was like, so you and I, you weren't you weren't in front of the camera at this Dan's stage, Dan. Dan's laughing now. You were still behind <laughs> the camera. I, I remember filming content with Robbie with his busted up leg when he was mm. just getting back on his feet. Just. And he'd get foot, up. Foot, back yeah, on his foot. Yeah, yeah. getting back up on his foot. <laughs> one, he would one. stand up like on one foot beside that big TV that we spoke about before. Mm-hmm. He would record a 30-second snippet of video and, like, collapse in pain shortly afterwards. It was fucking and just, horrendous. And he'd sit down on the seat and it'd probably take him two or three minutes to sort of re- uh, rekindle his sort of flame there as well. So Because I had the big moon boot on, I had to have it. I was standing on a phone book on one leg because otherwise I would have been on the tilt. So, yeah, well, there, was, there was a lot of resilience and grit and determination that we had to show because tomorrow's like, right, we're now starting to get an audience. I need fresh videos. I need yeah. fresh content. Get it all done, boys. Like, so sure enough, we set up the Povo cameras and we shout out, set up the stands and get the coffee machine box out again. Like, it was so shit back then. And, and again, Dan, you did such a fantastic job in making sure. Because I, I couldn't do I it, mate. I, I, I was in it. a wheelchair. I couldn't not – I was literally – talk about that, – that wasn't humble pie. That was – that was like fucking humble Pavlova. <laughs> um, 
I, I wanted what? to contribute as much as I can. I couldn't say pie again. I wanted to contribute as much as I could, but I was fucking stuck in a wheelchair and I was like... It yeah. kind of just goes to show that um, like people probably think of us think of us now that our business is, oh, that we've got it so easy, we, we're aligned with our clients, uh, like, you know, leads coming in, we've got a great following, we've got some amazing fans, but it was never, it was not always the case, you know. It, we started from nothing. We started from absolutely nothing. Twice. Yeah. Because yeah. you had to start we've again had, after we lost all the info. That yeah. many hurdles, like, yeah. The, the amount of things that we've gone through, especially in our startup phase, like it kind of, I, I just think if anyone is starting a business out there, they need to know that kind of stuff, that it's not smooth sailing. You have to go through the ups and downs when you're starting a business. Good, yeah. yeah, and I suppose one of the, even though it seems really obvious in hindsight, right, one of the key lessons we spoke about today is not putting blind faith in someone else to be able to go and achieve what would be your strategy and what's in your brain from that perspective. Like, how how has that influenced as we've gone forward as an organisation I suppose some of the decisions or the thoughts that you have, Tammy, and then RT, mm. I'll come back to you. Mm. Well, I think, I think the first thing is that we know our audience better than anyone else. So especially if it's a non, non-ADF uh, sort of company that w- or a partner that we're l- working with, we know our clients better than so we know we knew that they don't like sharing their data with us, right? So we were the ones saying to the marketing company, we don't need their email addresses. They're not giving it to us anyway. They're protecting their own identity. So let's work around what the our target market needs. So yes, I just definitely think knowing your customer, knowing your avatar inside out. We knew them better than anyone could, even the professionals or so-called professionals. Um, yeah, know your customer and, and believe in that. Yep. What about you, RT? What was some of the key takeaways of what you're never going to do again or what you sort of lessons learned, I suppose? Yeah, well, it's a bit of a no-brainer that uh, that putting blind faith in people is, um, is not the right thing to do and chucking money at a problem doesn't solve it either. Um, you still need to be able to engage, you need to be able to direct, you need to be able to provide that vision and, and accountability for any any service provider that comes into your life. And it's certainly something that we've introduced with our clients as well that, you know, we've now got a, a really decent flow because all of this, you know, the cumulative effect of the last 30-odd minutes of us talking about how we got to this point was meant that we now started to get some traction and we now started to talk and do a few people and we now started to, you know, the, the transition from the messaging and the attraction about why would someone would want to even come and talk to a, gr- a bunch of veterans about using property to secure their financial future, you and I now started having multiple, multiple conversations with clients. But, of course, we also needed to start putting in a bit of a filtering mechanism as well. Mm-hmm. So I guess that was, a, that was the next problem we faced was like, sweet, all this awesome work that Tammy's now done for us is starting to work. And all the videos we're watching and all the shitty little jokes we're telling on Facebook Lives, etc., was starting to have an effect on people now we, we didn't, certainly didn't have too many people coming in the door, but we needed to put a filtering mechanism in place. Well, people were going straight from our online training, our webinars, and then subsequently the Facebook Lives straight to a coaching session. Booking, they were able yeah. to book um, yeah, straight into your calendar for a couple of hours. And a lot of the t- – well, a fair amount of the time, people weren't ready. Yeah. Yeah, so we sort of created, obviously, this entered then the discovery session. So mm-hmm. there's probably a few of you listening right now that's like, I never had a discovery session. Did I miss out on this? But from that perspective, if you're still one of our clients now, you didn't really need a discovery session. But 
the idea was to make sure that people were actually ready and committed and I suppose the number one thing that we have as the rule is completely motivated to actually go and do something from that perspective. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. being deliberate, not desperate as well, like just making sure that these people were a fit for us, that they were, a f- we were a fit for them as well. You know, we, we were never chasing a sale. We were never chasing, you know, how, like the next per- the next client just because. It was always because we wanted and needed to help them uh, and, and they needed our help. It wasn't... If we can't help them, if it's say they wanted to get into flipping old houses, that's not our business model, and we're not going to push people into that sort of into our method if that's what they wanted to do. Yeah, because um, we started to get some real traction about people seeing us on Facebook Live. Dan, I remember you and I were like, let's not just do the discovery session on via phone, let's do it via FaceTime. So we got to speak to people, you know, face to face, literally straight away, and that's now, you know followed us for the last, last couple of years and it's you know made yeah. a massive difference to be able to have We've that. even converted Deb. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> just, you know, just, you know, there's so much um, so much communication that goes on between people that's not non-verbal. So we've got to sort of cover off on that straight away. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like, that that's kind of, I suppose, where we sort of end up today as we've implemented the discovery session from that perspective and there's a few more, few more things that need to go under the bridge before we get to sort of the axon of the current iteration that everyone can uh, see and feel now. Tammy, I suppose the biggest the biggest lessons learnt that you think Robbie probably missed there was probably don't go ahead and turf your wife out of the business, right? <laughs> well, oh, you know, I I think there was he didn't do it with the malice that it comes out to be. It was definitely he thought that it was the best thing for the business, and like you said, you know, having this one stop shop with uh, copywriters and graphic designers and you know, I can totally understand that. Um, but, yeah, putting our blind faith and and trusting someone else with our clients was just, yeah, we should have still kept the reins on. Yeah, absolutely. From a long-term perspective, always acting in the best interests of Axon and its, uh, and mm. its clients from that and its community from that perspective is always going to be at the forefront of our mind. But yeah. I suppose even though today's session had a real marketing theme behind it as well and there was a lot of technical sort of terms that you were speaking about there, Tammy. I hope, hope not too many. No, nah, I, <laughs> I think it came through well, but I suppose it also starts to talk now about Tammy more as the entrepreneur who's got her own, her, her own lane that she's been working in mm. and sort of starting to really specialise herself from a, from a women in business perspective as well. So it's starting to enlighten us as to where we've, where we've been coming from and where we're heading to from that point in time as well. Yeah, all right. As we sort of wrap up this one here, it's been a sensational uh, little episode. Thank you, Tammy, for sharing your, your details with us. But the problems don't stop there. You know, mm. as we transition into now episode four, we're like, we still had two different segments of the market. We still weren't ultimately talking to those people, Tammy, as you just said, that were the very best fit for us. So make sure you stay tuned and listen into episode four because we go even deeper into how we got to a point where we're now only just speaking to our perfect clients. See you then. Bye. Bye.